They were also delivering human organs between hospitals. You know, and sometimes you need to be fast if you need to deliver a kidney. This is Not What You Think. I'm Zasha Rosen. You probably have an opinion on cycling, on cyclists, on motorists. Maybe you are a cyclist, a motorist, a pedestrian. In Sao Paulo, they have this whole other thing. In Sao Paulo, you have to share the road with motorboys, so you are a motorboy. Artist Antonia Bud is best known for Megaphone.net and is in town working on accessible arts project BlindWiki. He's also a man who knows his motorboys. Antoni, thanks for coming in. Thanks to you. Could you tell me how you came to be working with motorboys? It's a long story, but I'm going to make it short. Okay, so I arrived to Sao Paulo in 2003. As soon as I was going on the bus from the airport to the metropolis, I saw all these motorcycle messengers in the street going in between the cars. In fact, in Sao Paulo, there are 220,000 motorcycle messengers. They are known as motoboys. You have 22 million people there, so 220,000 motoboys are the ones that actually make life easier. They go to the banks, they do everything, they transport whatever you give to them. It's a very cheap service. And everybody uses it. You know, and I thought, who are these guys? You know, just a little bit earlier, I discovered the same, the first mobile phone that had a camera and that had connection to the internet. So this is a while ago. Smartphones are not a thing. These are really basic candy bar phones that suddenly have Mm. cameras and internet access. Actually, it was one phone that had that, okay, in 2003. And it had these two possibilities, these two features, like uh, taking photos and being able to publish them on the internet. So I was thinking that it was a good device for some groups of people that suffer discrimination, that they were able to publish immediately their own news, chronicles, and opinions on the internet. Almost like an alternative social network, no? Well, I don't think it's exactly that. Those projects are not social networks, but are citizen networks. The difference is that You don't get a virtual space where people interact with each other, like the social networks. It's not also a place that pretends to have millions of users, but these projects like Megaphone.net, a small group of people have meetings, they know each other personally, and they project their image. The image that they've taken. Yeah, the images they have taken, the sounds they have recorded, etc. So it's kind of trying to make society aware of who they are, what they want, and what are their expectations and opinions. What did Megaphone.net look like? Well, it's a website organized in a chronological way where you get uh, all the posts of the participants there. And the posts are audio, photography, photos, video, and text. So you get also a tag cloud. So all sorts of tags. Yeah. And the tags are decided by the group. In Sao Paulo in 2003, a curator there, you know, because I'm an artist, offered me the possibility of doing a project in Sao Paulo for an art center there. And I said to him, why don't we give mobile phones to the motorboys so they can express themselves and counteract the terrible image that is projected of them by the media. And he said, wow, let's do it, because people hate motorboys. Yeah, I think it's hard for someone in Australia to imagine the way that a motorboy rides in the streets of Sao Paulo. How do they ride? 
they ride really fast and they're riding between the cars in rows of 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 motoboys and they, they actually ride on top of the lines of the traffic. The lines between the lanes, they're yeah. riding along those white lines. Exactly. They are really fast because they have to deliver all these packages, all these things that are given to them to deliver on the other side of the city. In order to understand why there are motorboys, like why would you have motorcycle couriers when you, you know, in, in Sydney we have people in trucks, we have people in cars, why not drive around like that? You've got to understand the traffic in Sao Paulo. What is the traffic like? Well, the traffic is terrible. You have millions of cars, you know, going every day. The traffic is crowded, so it is impossible to go from one place to another, especially in the center. It's almost stopped, isn't it? It's not just heavy traffic, it doesn't move. Yeah, many times it's like this, especially in the center. So you need the motorboys to go and do all these things that you cannot do because it is impossible to go from one place to another. And also the motorboys are actually the descendants of the office boys. When business were in the middle, in the center of Sao Paulo, office boys could go from one office to the other just by walking. And that was but taking the, documents and taking important yes. things. But then at some point, when Sao Paulo was getting bigger, they needed to go to longer distances. So they started buying motorcycles to do that and then appear the figure of the motorboy. And so it was office boys became motorboys and that was dealing with the traffic. Yeah. And then you were in Sao Paulo visiting from Costa Rica and you were with your friend Regina and you saw these guys. You asked her about it and what happened next? Then I I talked to Regina, Regina Silveira, and I said to her, look, I would like to do this project with the motorboys using cell phones to express themselves. And she said, oh, I'm going to introduce you to Ronaldo, Ronaldo Simao da Costa. That is the motorboy that delivers all the packages I need to do and, you know, I need to deliver. Ronaldo started the project? Yeah, what happened is that in this first trip in November 2003, I gave one phone to him. He started webcasting from the phone in November 2006. So I talked to Ronaldo Simão and she was immediately enthusiastic about the project. You know, she said the motorboys would be very happy to have this tool to talk to the rest of the people to amplify their voices through this virtual megaphone. This is a project you've done before. You've done it with Mexico City taxi drivers. You're in Costa Rica working on this project. And mm. they looked at it, they thought it was cool. What did Ronaldo do next? Well, Ronaldo started publishing, you know, posting. That was for a few months. And he started talking about the closest things he had, like his family, the workshop where he was repairing his motorcycle. That is actually kind of a meeting place for the motorboys. He was talking about the traffic and his impressions. Actually, Motoboy has a lot of imagination and he talks very well, you know, so it was kind of his impression of the whole city, the colleagues, etc. And that happened, as I, as I said before, for all these months till the beginning of the project in April, April 2007. And so he introduced you to some of his friends, you had some more people on board, and the project began. Exactly. It took four years, you know, because there was no way that... Institutions in Sao Paulo wanted to associate their image to the image of the motorboys. Why why wouldn't they want to be associated with motorboys? Yeah, because many people get dressed as motorboys to commit crimes, like robberies, assaults, and these kind of things, you know. But this is only a small part of the community, you know, like there are 220,000 motorboys in Sao Paulo, and of course not not all of them are criminal. 
So probably it's people that is actually not a motoboy, but it simulates to be a motoboy that do those things, you know. Assaults, kidnapping. And also there is another side of it, given that they are in between the cars, you know, and very fast, you know, they are the people from the favela. Favela is a precarious buildings that are self-built by people who are poor, that have no resources, and they need to find a place to live. And they use just the materials they find around to build it. They are arriving there and are in the middle of the transit that is the bourgeois transit, the middle class, the ones that have cars. Let's say that is a fight for the public space of the transit. They don't want these young guys being in the middle, really fast in the middle of their cars. So, you know, that helps, you know, to this uh, stigma that they suffer. I've heard people saying that what they complain about with motorboys is they think that motorboys will attack them in groups if they start a fight or kick the mirrors. Well, what happens is that when there is an accident, that unfortunately is very often, two motorboys die every three days, you know. If another motorboy is passing there, we'll stop, and there is, if there is another one, we'll stop too, and you know, and they get groups to help the motorboy that fall down. And sometimes these situations can get a bit aggressive, of course. You have your brother on the floor uh, with terrible accidents, and some arguments can happen with the people that were driving the cars. That's something that happens often, actually. So you had a whole bunch of motorboys together. And we should add that they're not just motorboys, there are some moto girls in there as well. Yeah, the moto girls were there too. You had a publication. What, what, did they argue or, over these tags? Well, they, in the editorial meetings they have, that is usually is a weekly editorial meeting, they propose, discuss, and decide the subjects they're going to talk about. And so there is always, you get these tags that are related to the subjects that are decided by the group. There is a subject that maybe that week is very important for the group, maybe a demonstration that is going to be on, or maybe something that the council has said about the motorboys that they want to fight and or whatever. Actually, the tag cloud of the motorboys is one of the richest of all the projects that were done at megaphone.net, but maybe it's also because it's the longest project. You know, they started in 2007, and they actually Ronaldo in 2006, and they still continue. You get tags like culture, art in the street, accidents, of course, then you have culture, you have interview. They made lots of interview to other motorboys. Water, family, that's very important in Sao Paulo. Demonstrations, landscape. You get, of course, the tag corridor, that is the corridor death. This is the space between the cars, the corridor yeah. death. Yeah, they relate it, you know, to the corridor death because they, many of them die. <laughs> What happens in the day of life of a motorboy? In the morning, they just look at all the places they need to go that day. It depends, because there are many different ways of being a motorboy. You can be alone, and you don't have your own customers. You can be in a small business, so there there is a boss, and they is the one that distributes the work between the motorboys. Or you can be in a big one, you know, that maybe has 500 motorboys, so it's a big business. So they start the day, basically, when you are in a business, the boss gives you all the trips that you have to do during the day. 
and then you organize your time geographically to go in the city. But of course, phones arrived, the mobile phones arrived into society, so it's not only that, but you can receive a phone call from your boss saying, now, instead of going here, go to the other place, and go to another place, and then you, you go to the other one, and things like this. Lately, when I was in Sao Paulo last year, and also last summer I was there in August, they already have apps. Special motorboy apps they use to work out yeah. where they're going next. Yeah, and also you can hire a motorboy using an app. What sort of things do people deliver with motorboys? Well, the first time I looked at it, I was researching on the media and things like this, and they were saying that they deliver everything from pizza to documents. They go to the bank and take money for you and, and take it home. They go to the post office, they go everywhere, and they do whatever you want them to do. I've seen motorways in Sao Paulo carrying big bottles of water, uh, wood. There are amazing photographs in the Canal Motorway. You know, in the project where you see these incredible things, you know, you see a motorcycle and someone that is with a piece of timber of three meters. You can see anything. They also, in the beginning, when I was researching, they said that they were also delivering human organs between hospitals because that was faster than using a special vehicle. And sometimes you need to be fast if you need to deliver a kidney. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it was written in a newspaper. I don't know. So they deliver everything you need to deliver in the city. Well, of course, it has the limitation of the size of the motorcycle. They, they earn not a lot of money. They have to be fast. If one day you do 20 deliveries instead of 25, you get less money. You know? So you need to do a lot of deliveries, so that means risking your life. And doing 200 kilometers, 250 kilometers a day. Uh, there's an old New York Times article about them from 2004 that was saying the first thing you do when you fall over and you have an accident, first you check that your limbs work and then you start working out how you're going to survive mm. for the next two weeks while you're in hospital. Right. You want to check that you can keep on doing deliveries. And also there is another side of it. They love motorcycles. There is a whole culture around all the thing. They can talk for hours about a motorcycle or how they have changed a piece of the engine so it's faster and they love motorcycles. So in a way, it's very dangerous, but they like, you know, the motorcycles and, and riding really fast. We've talked a lot about what motorboys do during the day, but motorboys have family who stay at home wondering what the hell will their husband or occasionally their wife come home today? Yeah, actually, what the families, of course, are about in this situation is just praying for so they come back home because two motorboys die every three days, 40 accidents a day. You are just waiting, expecting that they will come back. Actually, an anthropologist from Sao Paulo once told me, it was a guy that was studying the motorboy situation, he told me, that what happens is very similar to what happens if you were in a war in Vietnam, for instance. Because many of your friends have died, many finish in a wheelchair, many are in hospitals. So it was very similar to being in a war and then you continue in that war every day, but your friends die or are in hospitals or are heavily injured. And so you have to keep carrying on while yes. you're grieving. Of course, you have to feed your family. You know, This is not a job that rich people have. I guess not, yeah. <laughs> no, 
Normally the, the, the motorboy is someone from the favela that buys a motorcycle, you know, with a lot of effort. And then they start the job because they like motorcycles and because you can earn money during this dangerous job. And the same for the motor girls as well. It, it, it's just a job you fall into. It's not unusual for a girl. Well, when I started the project in Sao Paulo in 2006, in a group of 12 participants, two motor girls were uh, participating. I think actually this percentage is probably how it is, you know, when you put it in big numbers. So let's say that is something less than 1% or, yeah, or 10%. But you don't see many, you know, in the street you see lots and lots and lots of men doing that job. And from time to time you see a motor girl. Do you think motor boys and motor girls will survive the internet? Yeah, well, the, the, they, what they deliver is always physical, you know, so mostly are documents, you know, things. Yeah, but you're right, your question is right, maybe because the internet, you know, in this situation is getting over. I don't know. Yeah, probably they will lose part of the business, let's say, of, of their job. But you still have many other things to transport. You can transport, like, for instance, this delicious pimenta that they do there that has these chilies in oil and vinegar. So you cannot deliver that using the internet, you know. You can see people with timber or wood or packages, you know. Who knows who's inside all these packages that they are delivering from one side to the other. I guess we'll have to go visit Sao Paulo and find out. Yeah. <laughs> and if people want to see more of the Motor Boys and hear what they have to say and especially see what they've taken photos of, they can go to megaphone.net to yeah, see it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the website where you can see there the project of the Motor Boys and also the other projects of the other groups that participated there. To see the Motor Boys project, you should go to megaphone.net slash Sao Paulo. Megaphone.net slash Sao Paulo. And as Antonio has said, there are so many other projects, so many we didn't have time to get to them, but you can see them going all the way around the world, not just Motor Boys, Mexican taxi drivers, there are gypsies, there are all sorts of people there. Antonio, thanks for coming in today. If you want to see Antonio and the Motor Boys work, we've put a link to the right section of megaphone.net on our show page. We've also put up a few links to some documentaries of Motor Boys in action. Antoni works on an accessible arts project where they get people who are blind or vision impaired to map cities, especially what's wrong with the city for someone who's blind or visually impaired. And if you're interested in getting involved with it, it's very cool. It's a whole other thing. We haven't had time to get into it, but it's called BlindWiki and you can find it on the net at blind.wiki and all the information is there. And if you're sighted, you can also go there to find out interesting things about how Sydney looks among other cities to someone who is blind or vision impaired. If you like this podcast and you think someone you know might like it, tell them that they should check it out. There are links on our website at fbiradio.com slash notwhatyouthink, and there are a bunch of other great FBI podcasts at fbiradio.com slash podcasts. Do you have an idea for a show you think we should be doing? There's a link on that page for you to tell us all about it. Know What You Think is produced by Samira Farrow, with additional production by Olivia Perry Griffiths and Lachlan Wiley. Incredible show art, as always, by Annie Hamilton. It was created by Laura Briley, Claire Holland, and me. I'm Sasha Rosen. Keep listening for our next episode.